You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today was a day I was glad I didn't have. I, I don't live in Baton Rouge and couldn't hear the radio. But holy fuck. <laughs> This is super weird, but last night I was, I have all the, you know, I have uh, my feed. I use um, TweetDeck. I don't know if you use that. Yeah. No, I just use Twitter. I'm not a snob. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know other people have like these curated feeds. I, I don't put that much effort into it. I don't do any of that, but it helps me because I have the sneaky good feed. So it helps me to no, see that's them true. simultaneously. Yeah. If you have multiple accounts, it makes sense. But as just one user, I'm just like, Twitter's fine. I don't really need a. <laughs> um, but the last night, so, I'm, you know, I'm just, whatever. I had it open. I was playing on Twitter. And I look over because the Sneaky Good had picked up, like, a couple followers, whatever. That's fine. Normal, yeah. like, they picked up a couple people that, like, follow me. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But this one is this dude. And his name is Mike. I don't know how to say his last name. Matiradana? Okay. This is what blew... Like, when I saw the name, I immediately recognized it because I was like... In my old building in Chicago, the guy that lived in the base of an apartment was named Mike Matiradana. So I, like, jumped over to Facebook and, like, searched him real quick. And that's the same... Like, it's the same name. And he hasn't tweeted anything. So I don't know if it's, like, a weird bot thing. God, it'd be weird. Yeah, I know. I'm like, and I never, like, I've talked to that guy, like, you cordially speak to your neighbors, you know, like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Like, like he had no idea, to my knowledge, that we had a podcast or. There's no way, yeah. And he's not an LSU you. fan or nothing. Like, it was so bizarre. I'm like, I don't who is this weird guy? Yeah, uh, speaking of Twitter, just need to. He likes a bunch of Chicago, like, sports on his feed, too. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's really him. That's weird. Is he stalking me? He's gonna come. Murder Maybe he, that, that is. He's going to. Wear, he's going to wear your skin as a suit. <laughs> I'd be worried. I'd call the cops. Uh, I should. Well, he's in Chicago now, and you're in L.A., so he's you're got safe. ways to travel. He really does. If he shows up on your doorstep, then run. But. <laughs> Where do you run from your doorstep? Out the back, I would think. I don't have a back. Well, then you're totally screwed, aren't you? I am fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I can't run to the basement. Uh, I miss basements. Basements are awesome. Is that a you don't have a basement, in Texas? No, we don't have basements here. We don't. The grounds too. Uh, it shifts too much. Weird. Yeah, we have like uh, piers, and for our foundation. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Totally, it's weird. Yeah, we had a basement in North Dakota when we lived there. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. Well, basements are great because that's where you can put the ping pong table. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely like the playroom. Like you go down there, yeah, all our shit was down there. Yeah, you just put an extra room of just shit, and you just you know you don't fix it up or anything. You just kind of have a whole bunch of stuff down there, and yeah, no one needs to see it. So it's yeah, which it's a good place to have like just you know an old jukebox, 
you know, some video games or something. But nope. It's just like it's like free house. Basement. That'd be a good place for Joe Oliva. It really would. God. Oh God. That guy. He's he, he had a bad day. He's had a bad like six months. Yeah, he's had a bad couple of years, let's be honest. Yeah. But uh it's really there's coming. No, there's to just me. no way this ends well. Like it's just a yeah. matter of time. Yeah, I don't see yeah, like there's no way this can end well for him. Like it's gotten so bad for him that I don't see how he pulls it. Like even if Ed pulls it out of the ditch, I don't see how Oliva can. Yeah, I agree. It's like you look at um, – because normally when like people want to fire the coach right off the bat, you go to national writers to get a <clears throat> an outsider's view of the, the fan base. Yep. And pretty much the national writer is all like, "Look, it's insane to fire a guy after a year. You know, you bought, you know, you you bought it. You know, you're stuck." There's some dissent, like, "Hey, maybe they should do it after a year." But like, at least you know they're talking about. You can kind of have both sides. Is sort of what the national take is. Aliva, they're all like, "Oh no, fire that guy!" <laughs> like, I haven't seen one national writer stand up for him. In fact, they're piling on. They're like, "Yeah, that guy's really bad at his job." <laughs> Well, you, he totally bungled the Miles thing, which just gets more horrific, I guess, the further we get away from it. Yeah, and I mean, this went to a lot of what I was saying last year. He basically had a two- or three-year campaign to fire Miles. Yes. He'd been trying since 2015. Okay, which I'm against, but okay. But if you're going to do it, once the moment happened, he didn't have a plan of what happens next. He had three years to plan for that moment. Three years. Yeah. And then once it happened, he had no idea what to do. That is mind-boggling incompetence. It's bad. It, it was like he was caught flat-footed. It, it was like when Spurrier quit Florida and they didn't know what to do. I mean, at least, you know, they were just caught unaware when that yeah. happened. This was a plan that you had been trying to enact for <laughs> years. This is what you wanted, Joe. Yeah. And he didn't think of step two of the plan. <laughs> I mean, it's like if they had built the Trojan horse, brought it inside and said, okay, next step, we're all going to jump out. <laughs> um, we would have to be on the horse for that to happen. <laughs> oh, I knew I should have planned that in advance. Oh, yeah. I hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm Poser. That's Dan. Hello. It's the Joe Oliva show. Yeah, it's the Joe Oliva show. He's going to call in here in 10 minutes, so. <laughs> we we promised this will not be as off the rails as the Ed Orgeron show was, oh. uh, which neither of us live in Baton Rouge, so we could only follow it on Twitter, but wow. Um, way to represent the fan base, y'all. Way to represent the fan base. I took a nap and woke up to just like a stream of angry tweets. Ah, God, Pete. Yeah, it was not a good look. I, I, no one is mad at us for being mad at our coach. You lose to Troy, 
people are going to be mad. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's how you're mad. It is, you know, it, it's like the old, the old saw, you know, how does it matter how a man falls when all that's left is the fall? It matters a great deal. <laughs> We're not falling well. <laughs> yeah, there's no, also, there is more. There's a there's a reasonable way to handle things. Yeah, not that our fans have ever been reasonable. Yeah, not that we except for our little pocket. I'm still really proud of us for uh, this week in Shaven Freud. Uh, they said uh, and the valley shook was mostly reasonable. <laughs> that is the highest compliment I think the site has ever been paid. Because let's face it, that's your most emotional time during a really really bad loss. That's when it's kind of okay to lose your shit for a little while. Yeah. I, I think and, as, as uh, editors, we've done a good job of, like, browbeating the shit out of people that go crazy. Yeah, just, like, guys. Like, there's other places to do that. We at least try and keep it. You can be critical. There's plenty of critical people on the site. You should be critical. You just got to be a little bit constructive. Yeah, show a little restraint. Yeah, and and also don't make it personal. Like, I, I legitimately do feel bad for Ed O. He did not ask for this. Yeah, I think that's the – it's like you start towing in that that water of being malicious. And that's what yeah. it gets – it happened to Miles too at the end. You know, like they got real malicious. So not at the very end because people got real sympathetic as a counter. But like – Yeah. You know, that 2015 – Building up, you know, those last, that month of November, the early on, until yeah, he was no, about I, to be fired, it was like everyone wanted to kill him. Yeah, and even on our side, where we're, we were really pro Miles, I could deny that. Yep. I mean, even we were writing articles. Like I, I was looking back at our old stuff, and I was like, I let off an article with "fire everybody." So it's not <laughs> like even we had kind of come to the point. Well, it's time. But when you're mean and nasty and take personal shots, all you do is take people on the fence. And turn them against you. Yeah. Because you're like, I don't want to be with that guy. Because that guy's just really angry. You know, it's on the Oliva thing, you know, it, the firing of Miles, it's pretty clear they had a very strained relationship. Like, I don't know if everyone's listened to the Miles podcast, but he, like, basically went out of his way to say, like, the athletic director three times instead of calling him by his name, which I thought was. It was wonderful yeah <laughs> like such a point of credit like critique without saying anything also what was great about that i'll let you finish your thought i just want to interrupt for a second he took the high road the entire time and he said really nice things about lsu and about edo he you know did everything he could to be the nice guy but his wife and his daughter uh they <laughs> They didn't not quite so just come straight out and say, yeah. I want to kill him, but it, <laughs> they were not nearly as restrained, particularly Smacker. Uh, Smacker was pissed. Yeah. And I think that hints at what Les's true feelings are. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I think... Sorry. That, no, no, no. I mean, ultimately, I think we all wish it went down better, but the reason it clearly didn't go down better is because there was a strained relationship there. You know, if Miles would had been in sync with the AD, you might have that situation where the AD just goes to him in 2015 and says, this isn't working anymore. We need to make a change, but I want to do it the right way. We're going to let you coach against A&M. Then I want you to resign right off yeah. of the sunset. Take your round of applause. 
thank you for we your service, you know? Yep. We won't say that you got fired. We'll say that you're resigning for the good of the program. Like, we'll even make it so we can spin it that you walked out. Yeah, yeah, if that's absolutely. what you want. We'll pay you your, you know, you can still keep your buyout. Yeah, you it get is the buyout. Or... You know, we'll do the whole nine. And also, it's funny because I linked to it in my article today. Uh, I linked to the 1979 USC game, which is sort of a legendary game in LSU lore and building the mythos of a team that always tries really hard. Yep. <clears throat> Charlie Mack was a dead coach walking man. He he was fu- in the article they even mentioned he was fired in 1978. Yeah, and they were just letting him coach 1979. <laughs> what? And honestly, this? that actually was a good. Pro- it was Paul Dietzel who was doing that, and I can't imagine being Charlie Mack having to work for Paul Dietzel. Um, they had already, and they kind of had an organized search for the coach, and that's how they came up with Bo Ryan. And yeah. while Bo Ryan never really ended up at LSU because of tragic circumstances. It at least showed that there was in 1979, there was a plan. Yep. It's like, Hey, we still love you. You're a great coach, but it's not working. You know, you've, you've seen better days. It's time for you to go. So we're going to let you exit and with all of your dignity and like, and then he had, you know, this great game at the end, but we're then also going to have, we're going to take this opportunity to identify a hot up and coming coach. Yep. And that's there are some lessons there. Was, uh, <laughs> and we didn't learn them. I, I think that's no one learned it. And it's one of my big things is that Miles is basically Charles McClendon. Yeah. And uh, um, it's hard it to even ends it the same way. And it's the same. The fan base was acted the same way. There was no help less pack, but the sentiment was the same. And I, I don't know. I just feel like we didn't learn anything. Even though I know it's different people, it's their kids. Cause that was <laughs> yeah. 1979. And it's now 2017, but still like, I don't feel the fan base learned anything from what is really the creation story of modern LSU football. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic now. I mean, the it's a different business now than it's ever been. And I, I really think Oliva is probably really good at that, squeezing every penny out yeah. stuff, you know? And in that sense, like, you kind of do want your ID to be that guy. But there's a human element that he is sorely lacking on. And, there, you know, there, I don't know if you saw that Hayride article that was going around. I don't really read the Hayride. I don't know what the hell that is. but Yeah, yeah. I've... It's an I didn't read it. It's interesting to think about some of the things they're talking about because if you think of Oliva as a guy that's trying to m- make as much money as possible, the genus, you know, the overarching theme of the article is that basically every coach at LSU has to sort of leverage into getting things that they need to keep them competitive yes. nationally, and they shouldn't have right. to do that. Like our bet, like Maneri has to like be like, nope, I'm going to Texas to like get something that is just very basic, like a hundred thousand dollar thing, which is not a lot of money, (laughs) you know, like that's, that's not a serious commitment. So, and honestly, we need to win in order to make money. Yeah. At all sports. Like if there's, if the team's not winning, no one's interested. For sure. Uh, I mean, even football, Uh, we might think we're great fans, but we see what happens even with the slightest downturn. Oh yeah. They're already building. 
And that's everyone. I don't think that's you know, I don't I'm not trying to single out LSU for being bad fans. That is an everywhere problem. So investing in like the baseball program is a good long term investment because people will show up as long as the team is winning. And like already he's kind of dragging his feet with Will Wade. We'll see how that works out. Yep. But you've got to invest in it. Like they haven't done renovations for the basketball program probably since Dale Brown was the coach. Right. Like how how is he supposed to convince a kid that visits, you know, well, I almost said Louisville, but I know they have their own mess right now. But like Kentucky, you know, you go to Kentucky, they have facilities out the ass and all the flash. Like how is LSU going to really compete with that? Yeah. And what you do is you take your football winnings and you invest it in the other programs. Yeah, that's, the, that's kind of the way it goes. That's what everyone – I mean that's what Alabama is doing. That's how Alabama got good at a lot of minor sports. Unless you're Kentucky. Then you take your basketball winnings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> and I don't mean to call the other sports minor in the sense. But I, they don't drive the money train. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's – like tennis got an upgrade recently. Good. So that will make tennis more competitive. But the further we get, you know, you're right. Like, Leva had no plan. I, or the plan to me was Jimbo. And that didn't, he got rebuffed, whatever. Yes. I'm kind of glad about that. Then yeah, it was Herman. So those were clearly the top two guys. He was like, these are, we'll get one of those too. And then when that went out the window, it all, instead of doing the reasonable thing, which is, which is say, hitting a reset. Yeah, yeah. Reset. All right. Those were my top two guys. It didn't work out. Now I want to look around. Let's see who we got out there. He kind of hit the panic button. Maybe it's probably some anger. Like, well, fuck you guys. I'm, we're going to win with this guy. Yeah, it was. And this is something that we argued about last year. Um, not us two, but just on the site. Like how they said, oh, well, we never officially made an offer to Herman, which I thought was really childish. I, I thought it was as soon as Texas got in the bidding, we pulled out. And it was sort of the old you know, adolescent, well, I broke up with her before she had a chance to break up with me <laughs> technique. And we threw this big hissy fit. And here's the thing. Yes, Herman was going to sign with Texas because we weren't going to beat their offer. But there is a way to handle it where you do not come off like a petulant child. Like instead of pulling the offer and saying, oh, we never offered. And then that same night offering Orgeron saying he was always our guy, like – like it all had to be done on Thanksgiving for some reason. You know, it's we, like this weird – we talked about this before too, like how bad our PR department is. I don't know if someone was advising him to, to handle it that way or if Oliva just yeah. went you know, rogue. But oh God, it's like, knows. Jesus, if you come out of that and say we got an offer on the table of Herman and then he comes out the next day or two days, picks Texas, no one is laughing at you. They feel bad for you. Like, yeah, like, it's not that press. And honestly, what you do is you come back and say, look, we made an offer for Tom Herman that was, I don't know, $8 million a year. We felt that was a very yeah. fair, competitive offer above market rates for a coach who's never been at Power 5 before. And he – you know, Texas offered him, according to reports, blah, blah, blah. And then he came to us and asked for more money, and we don't do business that way. We made an offer. We thought it was a fair offer. We're not going to offer him a penny more than that. And we wish him well at Texas. We think he's a great football coach. But we're not going to be extorted by the University of Texas, and we're not going to get a bidding a bidding war over this guy. We wish him well; he's a great coach, but he will not be the next head football coach at LSU. Like yeah. you can do that statement, and no one's going to be like, "Oh, what a well." There'll of course be some people who are like, "Oh, LSU's you know the laughing stock," but most people in the country will be like, "Okay, that's reasonable." Like, yeah. 
LSU stuck to its guns. They have a little bit of money problems everyone knows about. You know, yeah, they don't want to get in. They don't want to pay Tom Herman like he's Nick Saban. Right. Yeah, I don't see how you come out a loser. I also, yeah. I mean, in defense, if you're looking at it from the other side, I guess, play devil's advocate. I would say yeah. it's common as a hiring manager for you to hire someone familiar, someone you know, yes. or someone that, you know, someone that you know who knows or whatever. Um, so in that sense, there is some logic to it, I guess. Yeah, no, it was the familiar, look, but like – It was a bridge hire. It was like, yeah. look, we're not going to pay him as much because he was only making $3 million a year, which isn't that much for the SEC. You know, he's not going to – he's kind of old, so he's not going to coach for a long time, but he's familiar with the program. It's not – it's got a low ceiling, but it's got a high floor. He'll keep the ball rolling. We'll win, you know, at the same rate we're winning right now. And then in a couple of years, we'll, you know, hit reset and try again on the market. Like, that's a perfectly defensible decision. I, I don't I don't think the decision itself is bad. I think the process was awful. Yeah. But also, I mean, like, it's also, I think everyone has conveniently forgotten in the fervor right now that it wasn't a great pool of candidates after Herman. And there are yeah, guys that I really liked. Yeah, um, like, I remember I, I went back and read our coaching um, roundtable today. Yeah. Just just to refresh my memory. Interesting. Of like what everyone was saying. And I, once you got past Herman, because I was a big Herman guy, I was like, well, you know, maybe throw a bunch of money at David Shaw, which I knew wouldn't work. But, you know, you throw a whole bunch of money at David Shaw. He says no. And then you hire Jeff Brom. And I was the only one who mentioned Jeff Brom. And let's be honest, he's only two and two at Purdue. So it's not like I know he's <laughs> become a hot name again, but it's not like he's tearing shit up. But even then – that was one blogger out of six that suggested the name that's now the hot name. That's hardly a resounding endorsement. It wasn't yeah. like that was a real popular name. I, I don't want it to become like three years later, oh, well, we could have had Jeff Brom and we totally screwed it up. Which is already like how they, okay. Yeah, and if they had hired Jeff Brom, people would have been furious. Yeah, they would have been like, why are, why are we hiring a coach from Western Kentucky? That's fucking yeah. stupid. Yeah, like – I would have been happy because yeah, he was the too. guy I, you know, he was the guy I was campaigning for. But I wasn't really like he was he was third on my list, so I'm not gonna, even going to say that I was like this real strong campaign for it. But like you kind of went with the if you remember you you went like hey let's go crazy and try to hire Jim Harbaugh. So that's how serious the suggestion Jeff Brom was <laughs> <laughs> in the same article that we said that we closed with four or five paragraphs on the possibility of hiring Jim Harbaugh. I spent a paragraph on on Jeff Brom. I said like, that. Yeah, it was like, okay. hey, why the hell not? You know, like it'd be funny. <laughs> like he's a big name. Throw some money at him. Like it'd be a coup. I gotta like, go read this. I remember Billy saying stuff about it. Oh, it might have been Billy, but it was it was mainly like think big and try and do something crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, all right. Like that's at least an. Like, but that's the where we were in the search. Uh, it's more important to say this is where our minds were. Like, yeah, you're right. After it was it was Jimbo, it was Herman, and then it was like, okay, well if those don't work out, we'll hire Orgeron. Like that was the plan. I wasn't particularly fond of that plan, but that was it, and that's at least defensible. <sighs> yeah, I guess I can't believe we're still talking about this shit. I mean, we're we're five weeks into the season. It sucks. Well, you, we're talking about because we're three and two, and we lost to. A terrible Troy team, well, a bad Troy team, and a Mississippi State team that has now lost two SEC games by four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, of course it's going to come up. Well, yeah, that's what I. Uh, 
no matter how optimistic you want to be about Ogeron, you can't lose to Troy and really combat anything negative anyone wants to say. Like, there's just nothing you could say. Yeah, I agree with that. I, and I, yeah, look, I'm, I'm still trying to be positive on it because I was the guy who was most negative about the hire when it happened. So I don't want to be like negative guy just every time he makes a mistake. You're just like, ah, oh, he sucks. He's the worst. Yeah, I'm. I, I am really trying to give the guy a chance. You have been, yeah. And I, I really think if you want to look at this in the nicest possible way, you, I really do think most of the team's issues are mental more than anything else. This is just a team that has given up at the first sign of adversity. They've played soft. And that is a very correctable issue. If they can just – and look – it's hard to get up from Mississippi State when everyone's telling you how great you are. It's hard to get up for Troy. Yeah. I mean, they're Troy. But this week we're playing Florida, a team that has gone out of their way to disrespect LSU at every turn in the last year or so. Yep. They, they have made you their homecoming opponent. If LSU comes out flat or unmotivated in this game, I, I don't know – if you can keep Orgeron, I, 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 I'm not saying they have to win this game, but I cannot imagine how bad of a coach you are if you cannot get a team motivated for this game. You know, I can't. I was thinking this earlier too, and I was thinking like this is in a bizarre way like a, the last straw for Orgeron already. Like, yeah, because it really is. Like you said, it's it's these mental issues, uh, which I think might be a symptom. I think there might be something underlying causing that. Because to me, I the, think most, there is. the most problematic thing to me is that he is not the same guy right now. And I don't know I, what the hell happened. And I don't know if he's I, just like feeling the burden of being the guy now or. I, I think it is. I think he is feeling the burden. Like he got the he got the job and now he's playing it safe. Like he was letting it all hang out when it didn't matter. Because, you know, what are they going to do? Fire me? Yeah. Like I'm the interim head coach. Whatever. Let's just go out there and have fun. But now it's serious. He, he's the head coach. Yeah, I yeah, and the and he's done the complete wrong thing by like becoming a shell of himself because, and I understand he wants to give the image of the changed man, and I understand that he isn't. I I, I believe him. I don't think he is the same guy he was at Ole Miss. Um, but the problem is like he is undercutting his strengths right now by trying to act like he's this buttoned up, contemplative, serious guy like. That's not you, man. Like, just quit. You're the high energy I agree guy. With that. Like, run and yeah. chest bump your guys when they run off the field. Like, they love that, and the team feeds off that. And that's what you were doing I, last I, year when we were playing well. Totally agree. Be yourself. And I think he's afraid to be himself right now. Um, and also, it's just like, yeah, he, he just even when he hasn't made bad decisions, it's blown up in his face. He, he just kind of he's got to feel cursed right now. Yeah. Every dis- every decision, no matter how small, comes back to bite him in the ass. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of like that's kind of the snowballing that everyone's having around. And, you know, everyone's looking over their shoulder. And I really – I mean we're not in the locker room, but it, it this feels like a team that has a divided locker room. Yeah, I mean I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say they're still Miles loyalists in, in the locker room. For sure. And, and – He's tried to purge those guys from the program, which I don't blame him. That's what he's, he's, he's trying to build his own program. Yeah. And 
I think his biggest issue is something is like last year he was everybody's best friend. Like, you know, we're going to play music. We're going to do, yeah, we're going to chest bump on the sideline, high fives, it's, you know, have fun all the time. You know, we're going to bring in speed, you know, you know, old players and we're going to high five and, you know, we're, you know, we're going to have short practices and, you know, everything's going to be awesome. And he's everybody's friend. And then as you know, the off season happens and people are slacking off and stuff, he all of a sudden he has to become this disciplinarian mm-hmm. and it doesn't work because everyone's like, hey, screw you. I, you know, I know you're the, what happened to chest bumpy guy? <laughs> you know, I thought you were, I thought you were my pal and now you're selling me out. So now they're ticked for two reasons. Not, a, not only are you being a hard disciplinarian, but you're being a hard disciplinarian when I thought you were my boy. And it, and also there's, I think him kind of going after, I think miles loyalist. And I don't think he's wrong to do so. Cause I do think there's always going to be disgruntled guys in a changeover. Yep. I th- that has also kind of bred some things in the upperclassmen where they're just like, well, I'm not going to play for this guy. You know, he's, he, he's trying to, he's trying to force me out of the program. He cares more about his guys for sure. And I don't know that that's true, but it has the feel of being true, you know, and, that, and that's really all we need here. But like, it definitely seems like the upperclassmen have checked out on him. Now yeah. the good news is the underclassmen haven't like, if you want to take one, you know, some positive out of the last game, Greedy Williams running down Jordan Chun from behind was a gutsy play where he was still showing effort. Yep. And then there was that little goal line stand that happened right after it. They went, they yeah. even got it to fourth down. Showed some like back down. That was a moment of the season. If they come out of that timeout on fourth down, if LSU gets that stop, I think LSU wins the game. Yeah, we probably do win the game. <laughs> You know, I think they went going away. That was the moment. Like, you know, and it was all sparked by like greedy, playing really tough and, you know, never saying die on a play. And I think that's a thing that just I know as an older fan, that's what bothers me because LSU, even when they weren't the most talented teams in the seventies and the eighties, LSU had a reputation for always playing hard. Yeah, I was thinking this I, I was thinking this morning about like it occurred to me, I was like, Oh my god, this team is like Probably the poser's least favorite team ever. Just the way that oh, they're like yeah, soft. Everything. They're not. They don't really run the ball physically. There's, there's not really the use of the fullback. <laughs> it's, it's like perfectly it's designed. You like. If you're scoring forty points, I'm willing to look past all that stuff because I'm having a good time. But if you're not, oh my god, this is yeah, this is like my least favorite kind of team. Uh, they're soft, and this is not what you know LSU football is. I mean, even when Miles was going eight, nine wins. He was still playing LSU football, hard nose, you know, right in your face. They had an identity. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is this team is searching for an identity. And you can you can get out talented and it's okay, particularly uh, for older fans, just because that's kind of how we were raised on LSU football. But to get outworked by teams so obviously, like against Troy, guys are just standing around. I didn't think I didn't, I felt like the effort wasn't as poor against Troy, at least the, the last two weeks. Yeah, the last two weeks have been very. I mean, they flat out quit at the end of state. I mean, they were getting yeah. leaned on, and Syracuse yeah, kind of had quit. up and down. Like, yeah, that play where Arden Key just gave up. You know. Yeah, um, Arden Key has not endeared himself to to many, but yeah, like this is a team where he's supposed to be. It's sort of just the culture of LSU football. Like you look at the great LSU Auburn rivalry of the '90s and the early aughts. It was built on two teams just beating the crap out of each other. 
like even the winner would come out of that game and lose like another game down the road because they were so banged up. Mm-hmm. Like, and we took pride in that. It was like, yeah, like that Auburn game just, you know, <laughs> we got beat to hell, even though we won on the scoreboard, but it was worth it because we beat Auburn. And I don't see this team being that kind of team right now. Not a lot of toughness. Yeah, I think that's what's – and once again, that is a correctable issue. Like anyone can play tough. Yeah, it feels – it does feel um, – it just feels a bit rudderless. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I don't know if – that, and that has to come from out. Like he's the leader. So whatever he is doing thus far – and I get – to me, it still goes back to this he's not being himself – and I so agree. it doesn't matter. It, to me, you can see right through it. They can see right through it. His coaches can see right through it. So it doesn't matter what he says because they all think it's bullshit. <laughs> like, I think what it comes down to is – I think that's a huge part of it. But it's also he knows what he doesn't want to be, but he doesn't know what he actually wants to be. Yeah, and it's just a team without an identity right now. And – they need to lock down what is our identity. You know, who are we? And if we want to be a flashy team that, you know, scores, you know, gazillion points and runs up and down the field, okay, fine. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a total stick in the mud. I'll, if that's what works for this roster, do it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, Miles would always retreat back into, like, well, we're just going to bunker down yeah. and run physical and but, try but he knew what play. he was at the end of the day. Like, he just couldn't change his spots. Yeah. But at least he knew where his spots were. Yeah. Orgeron has the, you know, he has the spots, but he's just like, he doesn't know where they go. He, you know, he's still juggling around like the, you know, like the, you know, put me in the zoo thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm referencing children's books. Yeah. It's, uh, in some ways, it's, it's more alarming, I guess, because, I don't know. It, it, they're different types of systemic failure in a way, you know, like Miles got too rutted into his beliefs to the point that he wouldn't change them. Yes. Um, or change, like make minor adjustments to them even, which was all that was really needed. Yeah, um, and also it became kind of, I think his relationship with Oliva had deteriorated so much. It almost became, he didn't change his out of spite. Yeah, I think that, that has to. I, I, if, there was an, if he would have had a better relationship with his AD, I think he might have changed a little bit more because it would have been collaborative. Yeah. People don't like to be forced to change. Yeah, that's a good point. And I just think right now it's like they don't know what they want to be. And it's sort of like, you know, you bring in Canada to run an offense that's built on motion. Then he says, okay, well, we're not going to do motion anymore. He, he took his legs out from under him. It's, it's part of just once again not wanting. It's that's what makes the offense work. And we're, it's like, well, we're not going to do that anymore. At least to his credit, he realized the mistake and it was only a one half experience. <laughs> By the second half, they're running motion again. But once yeah, again, he, it goes back to the fact is he doesn't know what he wants to do. When he said simplify, I guess maybe I'm the only person that took it this way. We talked about like you kind of gave him yeah. credit for it, but I thought he meant like cut down the playbook. Like, make it small. Yeah, same here. I didn't think he meant, like, throw out what we do, <laughs> which is what he did. Yeah. And it was like, what, I, I, what the fuck is this? I didn't think he meant change the offense entirely. <laughs> yeah. oh. Which, by the way, doesn't seem so simple. No. Like, if you do search on offense and you're like, okay, well, we're not going to do any of that. Um, that's not simplifying. That's – it's hard to, you know, pick up a song halfway through. 
Yeah, it was a horrible idea. Also, once Canada's offense was back in, we actually scored points. So yeah, no, and and I think he knew that mistake as soon as he made it. Like, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp too much yeah. on that. He acknowledged it. He did. And that's the other thing about you know Orgeron. If he acknowledges a mistake, everyone jumps down his goddamn throat. I oh, do no. feel for the guy on this. Like everyone got on Miles forever for not acknowledging he ever made a mistake. Yep. So Coach O has been really good about, hey, I made a mistake. This is what I did wrong. And everyone's like, oh, well, you said you were doing blah blah blah. It's like, guys, what do you want out of me? <laughs> I know. I I had a bunch of joke tweets about that the other day. Like no matter what Coach says, it's, and this is true for basically every coach, not just O. Yeah. No matter what coach says, it's a losing proposition when you're not doing well, you know? So, like, like tonight on the ki- the coaching show, whatever, he says, oh, we just don't have a kicker. I have to recruit one. Like, people, every re- response to that tweet by Ross Dellinger was like, why is he talking trash about a roster? Oh, my God, fire him right now for trashing our players. Like, I mean, if he would have said, well, we're working on the kicking game, people would have like, he's not doing anything about the kicking game. Like, <laughs> once again, just sitting on it, like – there was no winning answer there. Like, I, I don't there know. really wasn't, but and, and that was phrased really poorly. It like, we don't have a kicker. Yeah, it's saying we don't have a kicker when you literally have three kickers on the roster. But <laughs> like, like, it's like the third time he's had to answer that question, and the first time he was like, "Well, in practice, I stood right behind Godson, and he made five straight field goals." So it's like, what else? You know, I don't know. I think he feels like, "Well, what else am I supposed to do with him?" Like, he's doing yeah. it in practice. I don't. Yeah, and. I don't know. I don't think he's fully given a shot to Connor Culp um, yeah, because I think Gonsolin's the better practice player. But it's once again the Brandon Harris, Anthony Jennings problem. Yeah. Like, he looks good in practice. At this point, I would just say Gonsolin's just – it's in his head. He's, he's, yeah, got he's the, at least on tilt right now. Like he just needs he's, to, got the, he's got the yips. I'd yeah. put Connor Culp in there just for the – you know, just because he's the only guy who seemed uh, – and I don't think he's the answer, but at least he doesn't have the yips right now. Well, hell, dude, what a, I, other like Florida did it a couple years ago. Just have a damn open competition to take a walk on. There's got to be a soccer player that would come out there. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to find someone. Like it's, it, and that's once again, it's everything he does right now is wrong. Yeah, that was what I, mean, I was it, really it, getting at. I know it was maybe not been the best example because it wasn't the best but, quote. Yeah. But. Yeah, it was – God, it was a bad quote. But still, like it's just like everything the guy touches right now. He has the Midas touch in reverse right now. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is like the one thing to take comfort in, you, you know, you look at Georgia this year, how good they look. They looked awful last year. So bad. They almost lost uh, to it, Nichols, who was infinitely worse than Troy. And they had a stacked roster as well yes. that just kind of – they couldn't figure things out. You know, they should have been much better than they were. And, you know, you're like, how the hell are they losing these games? Um, and they lost some heartbreakers. I mean, they gave away the Tennessee game last year. Yeah. Um, and, and so I don't think, you know, his career is doomed to failure. But you got to show something this week. I would take a good effort. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's We're at the point, and I know this is horrible, all they want is a good effort. And that's awful because, well, you know, this is a program that demands a lot more than that. But we just got to start on building blocks right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be cutesy when I say that. But, like, I also think a good effort might just beat Florida because they're not very good. I, I just don't believe in Florida at all. So 
a good effort might be enough to beat Florida. So <laughs> uh, that team's got a horseshoe ram so far up their asshole right now. Oh, it's, it's just it's infuriating. Hey, but the other thing is this: is they are kind of the opposite of LSU right now. They're very yeah. mentally tough. Yeah, you. Made, I'm glad you brought up the whole like, you know, they're down nine starters too, and they're not bitching about it. Like, yeah, well, move and, on. And, and, and they're literally down their best. It's not just nine starters, it, you know, or nine players. It's, yeah. They're down their best player on each side of the ball. Yeah, they've lost both of their top two wide receivers now. I mean, thanks yeah. to the injury to Cleveland and Callaway's been out all year. One of their yeah, running back, their best running back is out. Scarlett's out. Yeah. yeah. They've lost their secondary. I mean, this is a team that's been gutted. And, yeah. uh, and they already haven't been recruiting great. So the, we've recruited better than them. So, you know, when they're getting into their second and third string, it's not good news. They're on their third string quarterback yeah. already. And it one because they were terrible, because I can't believe they thought Malik Zaire was gonna be any good. Um <laughs> but the other one's hurt. Like this is this is how Florida's season has gone. They lose to Vanderbilt if Del Rio doesn't get hurt. But he breaks his collarbone. <laughs> so they were able to take the ineffective quarterback out and bring the guy off the bench and he has a monster second half. I mean, like, that's just how things everything's breaking right for Florida right now. Yeah. And you know, good for them. Is is you know, but also I think there's a certain element of when things are down, Florida believes that things are gonna turn around. Because they yeah. have. They have evidence of it. And this is a team that believes in itself and they kind of make good things happen. For sure. Like they just kind of stand around and wait for other teams to implode. And every team in the SEC is pretty bad. So every team <laughs> in the SEC obliges. And that's really LSU. They need that good thing. Last week I said I wanted them to have adversity and overcome it. They had adversity early and didn't overcome it. This week they need something good to happen early. Yeah. You know, they need the, they need to get the ball rolling. They, this team is so psychologically scarred. They need to get on a roll. Yeah, a fast start might do them wonders. Just like if they got out to a fourteen point lead somehow, like that might oh, I mean, be the kind of building blocks they need to be like, hey, we're kind of good. Like we're we're yeah. not bad. And, and it's also it's just like everybody. It, it's never the same guy failing. No. And, and that's the kind of thing. It's like I think Edling's been okay most of the year but like he had a terrible first half against troy yeah he was awful and that, this and, is bizarro too like the oh quotes about atlang are so odd like they clearly benched him yeah and yeah, then they he did. keeps he, going back to like well danny's our starter of course he's our yeah, starter like okay stop with that shit you, know, like, you like, benched him and, and he deserved it he was awful yeah, he like played it, bad just say that he had steven sullivan wide open and just let him out of bounds uh, it just just a tear. The thing is, it wasn't so bad. It was just he was one step off. Yeah, which he has been and, for a lot of the year. But the thing is, like the previous game, he came in off the you know against Syracuse, he made yeah. some really big throws and drove the team down the field and built up a really big lead. Like he was, I don't want to say he was the hero of the game, but Edley had a really good game against Syracuse. And what's funny is at the end of the Troy game, he and Brennan combined for like two hundred and seventy passing yards. They had, they had a really good game, you know, together. Yeah. They had a good game. It was just that once one bad thing happened to either of them, we flipped out. Yeah. Wait, and I'm not even going to hold the last interception against that Ling just no. because he was just chucking it downfield. Yeah, just a- so, but so if you just turn that into an incompletion, their combined line was 21 for 31 for 266 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Yeah, it's a good That's, game. 
That is a good. We've been complaining for years about not getting quarterback play. That that's fits the bill. We don't need any more from the court, and that's with Etling having a bad first half. For sure. So it's it's just that kind of year. Like even when something goes right, it goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. Which is also why I'm not completely out on Argeron. I, I mean, I do think I, I think a lot of the problems are of his own design. I don't, I don't think they're all of his own design, but I do think there's he bears a big part of, of, of blame here. But that said, there's also been a lot of there's also been a lot of just bad luck. There has. Uh, well, I he, think that we you know a lot of people make fun of it today, and maybe it will ultimately just be like embarrassing. But the meeting of all the coaches coming together, even with Oliva there, it could be a really productive thing. Like. To just get it on the table, because there's clearly some clashing with O and Canada going on. Yeah, they so, don't seem to like each other very much. No, and Canada has a prickly personality. You know, he's had past troubles with yeah. coaches. That's fine, whatever. But whatever it is, just getting that shit on the table and just acknowledging it, saying, okay, refocusing on this is what the goal was, this is what we talked about, this is what we were trying to do, might just help everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's... It just gets yeah. you out of the minutiae of like, well, we got to change this. We got to fix this. We got to like, just focus on what you need to do, which is the end goal. Like that's, that's the real goal here. Not like every little minor change that we have to do on a daily basis to make things right. Yeah, I, I think sometimes you look at all the micro issues and you forget the macro. Exactly. And, and I, I think it was important for them to take a step back and say, okay, what the hell are we doing? I, I think they all need to get on the same page. I think that was an important thing to do. And yes, easy to mock. <laughs> Especially when he said we're going to make a list of everything that we're doing wrong. I was like, oh, God, that's uh, – oh, that's going to get memed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like I do at least – at least they're not trying to pretend it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, there's – you know, you got to confront it head on. And there is the element of, look, they haven't sh- – this is a team that is short – we talked about this in the preseason. One of the reasons I thought LSU would be a really good team is that they they might have the best player in the SEC on both sides of the ball. Well, Arden Key's been hurt out of shape and hasn't played all year. Or in, and when he has, he has been a shell of himself. And Darius Geis has been hurt. Yep. So your two biggest bullets in your gun, the two things you were really counting on to make you a great football team, gone. Yeah, and your third best player is hurt too. I mean, depending on your Rashad Lawrence or Devin White, you know, I mean, Lawrence being out has been a huge dent to this defense. And, and, you know, and now, you know, Darius Geis' backup is hurt. Daryl Williams is hurt. So it's just like he's going to play. But I do think there is an element of like the things we were counting on to get us through and cover up the holes have been the weaknesses. Yeah. And like the, you know, the offensive line was thin, but they're still returning three starters. They should not be as bad as they are. No, there's no really, there's no real excuse for that one. Like I can't. I mean, I wrote about it. it. I can find an explanation, a defensible explanation of why the defensive line has looked porous at times, but I can't for the offensive line. <laughs> you got four yeah, guys that are upperclassmen. You, you like we said on this show. If there's an injury, we're in trouble. But those first, yeah. those starters are going to be solid, and that has not been the case. 
yeah, those stars have not been solid. And and I think that's kind of the things that they were counting on haven't gone well. And so I would like to see more work ethic out of the team or at least just more give a damn during the game. And I think that's something, once again, I don't think you can flip a switch, but at the same time, it is a correctable issue. It's not something like you have to work on your technique. You know, you don't have to recruit a new guy. You just have to get people to buy in. So the season, while it's, you know, it's currently in a ditch, it is not completely unsalvageable. And also the SEC is still terrible. So bad. That's why people keep asking me like, oh, you think we can win seven or eight games? Who are we going to beat? I'm like, have you watched anybody else? Play? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much everyone. I think the big thing though, is if you lose the Florida, it can spiral out of control. Yes. Like this game is huge now. It's so big. Because Auburn is the second best team in the West. Yeah, clearly. I, there's very, we have very little chance of winning that game. Spoiler alert. Yes, but if you beat Florida, your chances go up a little bit. Yes, particularly for an emotionally fragile team. Yeah, you get some confidence under you. You feeling start feeling good about yourself again. Play at home, you know. Yeah. You get the crowd into it. It'll probably be a night game if you win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if you lose to Florida, you're probably going to lose to Auburn, and now you're three and four, zero oh and three in the SEC. And bad things start to happen. Yeah. Like, and I think then it becomes a lot harder to win those games. Yeah, I totally agree. Because you still have Bama on the schedule. And yeah, I just think this team is so emotionally fragile. Then I do think, I'm like, how do you get to five? Or, you know, how do you even get to six wins? It becomes really difficult. You beat Florida, though. You're at four and two. You know, you're at four and two. You've had a bad start. You know, it's not where you want to be, but you're four and two. And, you know, you've got something – you're still one and one in the SEC. You have something banked. Yeah, you got the foundation finally. You can say, we got a good win under us now. Yeah, you know, we, we, you know, we beat a good team. And yeah. I think that they really need this game just psychologically. And I, it's a linchpin for the season just because of where they are mentally. That's and also it's a very winnable game just because Florida's – yeah, I don't, I don't think they're that good. Yeah, I do, yeah, that's my big thing is – I by no means by saying do I think LSU can get eight wins am I stumping for LSU's quality? It's more just the the conference is bad. It's really bad. Yeah, it's and it's because pretty much every AD has made the same decision Oliva has made. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know Nick Saban's ruining the SEC. They chase safety over trying to get the the next young gun. Yeah, the coaching hires in the conference have not been stellar. Yeah, and they've all been very conservative hires. And I understand why. It's because these things are, you know, they're aircraft carriers. They're these big ships, and you don't want to make any sudden turns. And so you make these really conservative hires. You're like, we're not going to rock the boat too much. We're going to try and keep things on course. You know, you don't want to hire a Willie Taggart or, you know, a Jeff Brom or a PJ Fleck because, my God, they could, you know, up in the apple cart. Yep. And if you. And if a hire like that fails, you look a lot dumber than if, uh, you know, Kirby Smart fails because, you know, he was a saving assistant. Yeah. So, of course, he's a coach. And I really think this there's just been a lack of imagination. And I don't think that excuses Oliva, but at least puts his decisions in context. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm kind of bummed about this week just because I feel like no one gives a shit about this game. And it's a bummer because – with everything that happened last year, you felt like this game would be like one of the most anticipated games of the year. It would have been, you know, all of our fans are bummed out about Troy understandable, but like move on. It's over. 
And also, Florida fans, I don't think, are terribly excited either because they kind of know they're like... Not good. They know they're not good. They're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, they're just waiting for like... Like, beating them this week might spiral them to six wins, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, they've gotten to the tough part of the schedule, but they play Georgia next week. So they're concentrating on, yeah, we're going to play Georgia. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but we might catch Florida looking ahead. <laughs> Which would be amazing. Yeah. And, yeah, they it's have just... every re- Our guys have every reason to be fired up for this game. So if they're not, this is why, like, I would never say this about a single game about any coach, but, like, they have every reason to be focused and play well this week. So if they yes. aren't, it's a major indictment of Ogeron or any coach. I, I think that's what it comes down to. It's like I don't need him to – I mean I really want him to win. But yes. like, I don't – we're talking about his job, which I agree. I can't believe we're talking about it. Um, we need effort. If they can't come out fired fire up for this, uh, I don't see how he can survive the season. He's gonna be. I, I really don't like, but the thing is here, I don't trust Oliva to make the hire. No, and he shouldn't. Yeah. It really, if we lose to Florida, Oliva gets fired first. Yeah, and I think it could happen like this weekend. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it could. It literally could happen this weekend. Um, but that means if they fired Orgeron at the end of the year, and once again, we're totally speculating. I I still think he's gonna survive. I, I don't think they're gonna fire him at the end of the year unless we go like zero and eight. Um, and I think even then, I mean, that buyout is huge. Yeah, it really is. But if they have to hire someone else at the end of the year, certainly they're not going to let Oliva do it. It, it has to be done. You know, it, then it becomes like a board of supervisors hire, and it becomes a really difficult thing because you got to herd cats. Yeah. You know, I don't know who's the person who steps up and makes the hire. Because I know, like, you know, I know amongst the humanoids uh, – you know, F. King Alexander is this big villain, but I don't think he gives a shit about the football team. Now he's trying to get to some political position. I mean, yeah, like he cares about academics and stuff. Like he actually cares about real things. <laughs> you know, you know, he's trying to pimp the university because they won a Nobel Prize this week. By the way, go Tigers! Um, Nobel Prize in physics. Oh, uh, that was I pretty cool. That. That was yeah, awesome. very cool. So he cares about that. The only reason he stepped in on the last miles thing was because it had just gone on and become an embarrassment to the university. Yeah. Like, I don't think he, he cared one way or not. I think he was like, fire him, hire him. I don't care. But then once it just kept dragging out and became his national news story, he's like, I'm stepping in. You screwed this up. We're keeping this guy End of discussion next order of business. And that has made him like, you know, villain number one on tiger droppings. I don't think he's sitting there like – I don't think – you know. I mean I know he knows who the football coach is, but I don't think he cares. It's just not his thing, so which if, is good. I don't want my university president caring who the football coach is. Honestly, if you fire Oliva, do you – am I crazy for saying like should they just try and see if Bertman would come and be the interim AD for like a couple months until you pick your real AD? I, I think that's exactly what you do. You, He's the you, solidifying voice that everyone will respect, right? Like everyone will listen to that guy. Yeah, you, you bring him, you say, look, we don't want you back long term. We know you're retired. Can you do this for a year while we look for another guy? Yeah. And someone else will hire the football coach. So if it goes badly, you're not going to get blamed yeah, for it. Yeah, you're not tired for it. You know, it's it's not you. You're doing us a solid. I, I think he would totally do that. I, I really do. Um, 
I, I think his love of the school is at that level. It makes a lot of sense to me, but I don't know, you know. He's, he's I, old. I, he may just be like, I don't want to mess with that anymore. Yeah, then, <laughs> then the other person has less miles. Yeah, that's, that's another thought I had. I was like, maybe you just bring Les back and let him hire someone. <laughs> and <laughs> that would be ridiculous. But, um, I mean, the thing is with Les, you'd be like, look, this is an it, it's hard to hire him as an interim AD. No. He, and that's yeah, what you he, really want him for. Yeah. He wants um, to be a coach, too. He really does. So I don't think he yeah. would want it. Um, yeah, the only way he would take the AD job is if he was getting the AD job. Yeah, you know, and we just did that with uh, a head foot coach taking a short timer. So let's not do that again for the AD position. And yeah, I just think the big thing is that Oliva just doesn't have any deposits in the bank of goodwill. Nothing. He's got well weighed, and that's about yeah. That's but it, it took him three biggest, tries. Yeah. And so people don't care. Like I, he doesn't even really get credit for Will Wade. People don't. No, he doesn't. He, 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 you know, you don't tank the basketball program and then get, yeah. <laughs> and then get credit for getting the guy who might pull him out of the tank. That you know, you know, his one good hire is Beth Torina, and he fell bass backwards into that. Yeah, we also don't even know how Will Wade is going to do. I mean, it, I think it's worth. I think Will Wade is saying it all the right things, but like. Yeah, I agree. I have to say, this is the most excited I've been for uh, LSU basketball in a long time. But VCU coaches haven't exactly lit the world on fire after leaving VCU, so. That's true. Uh, you know, Shaka Smart did not do, you know, what he's supposed to do at Texas. And what's his name that went to Oklahoma? Didn't, uh, he's back at Duke. All right. But he's not coming in with quite as much hype. I mean, yeah. he's, he has a lot of local buzz, but not nationally. Yeah, I just think true. it's just a I think he's just a good, solid coach. And also, the recruiting that he has pulled off so far has been really encouraging. Yeah, it's crazy. And I I don't know. I'm just – it just seems that we we were definitely adrift in basketball. And it seems like we have a guy in there who – Has a vision? Yeah, has a vision for the school. And I think yeah. that's the important thing. And, and that goes back to the problem with Ed O. I don't think he has a vision right now. Or it's certainly obscured by the adversities he's run into. Yes. Yeah, they need to – you know what? Everybody just needs something positive. Yeah. It, it would just be – I don't want this whole year just to be depressing. You know, um, like, at the end of Troy game, I said, well, I know now not to get my hopes up about any other game. And I really – I think the Florida one is the last one that I'll feel like – yeah, I agree. This if is we, the one you can. This is the last one I can muster. Like if we get beat again and it's bad and we don't play well, I'm not going to be able to go into any game thinking we're going to win this. You know, I feel good about yeah, this. I, I, I agree. The only game I could go into legitimately think we're, we're going to win is Ole Miss. Yeah, just yeah, and they have their own problems. But. And yeah, and honestly, I'm, I'm not going to be too confident about it. That's just I think we can win. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Th- this is. It's such an obvious linchpin game for him. And also, it's just such a clear big game. And if you can't get up for a big game, what are you doing? Yep. It's a chance for him to, you know, write the record, too, yeah. because he messed up last year in that game. Or, you know, that was the game that, almost, that theoretically didn't get him the job. So, yeah, this is, you know, this, this should be big for him as well. So, I'm. Um, 
also, if the players rally, they're doing it for him, and that would mean something to me. Yeah, it could bring everyone together. So, and also just the fan base. We just we don't need all the negativity. Everyone just I, I re, you know, like I said, I was against the hire, but I want it to work out. I really do because if it doesn't work out, that means LSU is bad, and I don't want LSU to be bad. Yep. So I'm not sitting here like cackling with cackling with glee. No, saying ah, I was proven. I was proven right. Like, <laughs> and that's also kind of a point I made in my article. It's just like we can't even agree what this means. Yeah, like what caused it. So everyone doing an "I told you so" dance is just pissing me off. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, because you know, one group saying, "Oh, it's because it's or you know, Orgeron's an incompetent," and the other group saying, "Oh, it's because Miles, you know, gutted the program of all of its talent." You know, I guess it could be both things, but it probably isn't. <laughs> yeah. They're 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 fairly opposite conclusions, and so yeah, I, I just don't I don't need. That. Yeah, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this every week. Yeah. So yeah, we're you know we're not fighting. Oh, that's yeah. This coach sucks. We should fire. Yeah, and and, yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like we're like, okay, how can we turn it around? I I think that's where we're at right now. We we agree that's really really bad. So you you lost to Troy. Yeah. So but you can you know earn a lot of goodwill back by beating Florida. So so beat Florida, then we'll work from there. Exactly. All right. Let's answer some questions. All right. We don't have many. Uh, yeah, because everyone's beaten down right now. I know. See, tweet like a champion today. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take this first one. I'm gonna ask it. And I'm gonna start answering it. But I, I obviously want your insight too here. Okay. Um, Max Toscano, which I love you, Max. You tweet at me a lot, and we talk a lot. So, but he says the offense looks completely in all caps different from one from the one Canada ran at Pitt. Has Ogeron been meddling from day one, or has Canada made alterations? I don't think it looks that... Okay, the first half of Troy, yes, looked completely different. But the rest of the season has not looked completely different to me. And I don't really know what you're meaning by that. Like I, He's mentioned this to me before, so I don't really see the complete difference that he's saying. We're not throwing the ball as much as they did last year, but... I mean, would you would you throw the ball more with this quarterback with these receivers that are young and making a lot of mistakes? I don't think that's necessarily yeah. solid game planning. So yeah, Canada said when he came in there, he, you know he he doesn't care, he doesn't have any idea of what the balance is or anything like that. He's not a running offense or he just does what works. Yeah, and I think you take a look at the talent today. This team is better off running the ball than throwing the ball. So I'm gonna run it, um, which I'm sure. Just taking a wild stab in the dark has chapped Orgeron's ass more than just about anything. Because part of the reason, you know, he promised that we'd sling it around and, you know, you know, we'd have more balance and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden the guy comes in there and is like, well, I'm going to run the ball because that's what makes sense. So <laughs> um, I think that the BYU game is actually the source of their initial tension. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think he was, you know, he's run tons of pre-snap motion. That's pretty much his offense. I know. Yeah, so and I don't he, get it. yeah, I think he's run that pre-snap motion. He's we run a ton of jet sweeps, maybe not as much as we did in game one, but it's still a huge part of the offense. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think he has introduced more and more passing. I just read the quarterback line. I mean, he threw the ball thirty-two times. 
against 29 rushes. What do you want? Yeah, he's building to that. He's, yeah. He's bringing the quarterbacks along. That's how I see it. And also, this is something we'll go back to from Les Miles' era. I don't think the head coach having a say in what happens is meddling. Yeah. I mean, Ed addressed that pretty well. Like, I'm the head coach. And it was a gruff response, but he's right. <laughs> like, that's what the coach, the head coach does is make the executive calls. And yeah, he owned I, that this, you know, he owned that what he had to say about the offense last week was wrong. And so yeah. he's moving on. That's all you can ask from him. Well, other than beating Troy, but yes. Yeah. I do think, while we're on this topic, we didn't come up in our earlier discussion, but uh, Year 2 was tweeting about their defense and throwing up some gifts. I see a lot of his tweets because I'm on the West Coast, and he gets up, you know. Yeah. It's, it's odd hours for most of the Central Timers or East Coast people, but um, he threw up some gifts of like the Florida defense, and they've really struggled with over-pursuit and lack of discipline, and he cited some like misdirection plays and, you know, the jet sweeps and stuff that have caused them troubles. So I, I honestly believe if LSU plays well, like this is the type of game that Canada can use his offense to like really run it up on somebody because if Florida plays the way they have been playing, those are the things they fall prey to. So That's and good. he's really like, good at that. So I think it puts it, us in a good position. It's a good matchup for us. Yes. That's what I'm trying to get at. Though also another thing that didn't come up, um, nobody's talking about Orgeron completely uh, botching clock management, in, <laughs> yeah. which I found ironic that uh, um, we fired a guy for clock management and wasting those two timeouts. I'll spot you one, but that was awful, just awful. You know, you, you cannot if you were down by two scores. You cannot use two timeouts on that drive. No. Because you're you're going to need them to get the ball back. If they had just saved one of those timeouts, LSU gets the ball back with a minute down by three, and they probably at least get in a position to win the game. Yeah. And instead they got it back with 15 seconds and ran two plays. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was just – God awful clock because a timeout is worth 40 seconds, probably a little bit more for being honest. It's about 45 seconds. If you're really humming, you can, you know, run a play in like seven or eight seconds. If you're on offense and control the clock, I mean, we're talking that's like six plays that he cost himself. Yeah. In, in a perfect storm, but probably like four or five. I, I, yeah, just terrible clock management. Concur. Sorry. No. Sorry. Just had to have that moment. We didn't bring it up. and <laughs> It's going uncut. He's gotten a pass on that. And yeah. I think that's just because there's so many other bad Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Vinny says, this is for you specifically. Thanks, Vinny. Right. He doesn't trust my opinion on this matter. Uh, he says, give him a punk soundtrack to describe the season so far. He's going with New York Dolls personality crisis. Ooh, that's a good call. Um, going old school. I, I, I got no qualms with going New York Dolls. I'm a big fan. Um, I, I don't know. I might be, if we're going that that era, I might be going with Chinese rocks just so I can you know shoot up some heroin. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm trying to you know I'm, I'm trying to stay positive right now. So you know, get back to me. I don't I don't have I don't have a song that's soundtracking it yet. Um, Right now, I guess it's because of the mood of the fan base. I will say it's yelling at a wall by minor threat right now. 
That's good. I don't know it, but it's called Yelling at a Wall by a band named Minor <laughs> Threat. So. Yeah, it, it's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right, Jacob Hitter, Hibbard says you start Brennan or Etling. I think on the road, you got to go it. You have to start Danny. Like, I, there's just no. Yeah, and honestly, like, I. And this is after saying I think he had a terrible game against Troy. Well, he had a terrible first half. I think he came out of it in the second. But he was also just a step off. And that's – you know, you just need him to get that step back. And I have more confidence in Etling and also yanking Brennan right after a pick. Don't do that. Twice. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, like that's just messing with the kid's confidence. Like not that. Just – that's the worst, worst kind of management of a quarterback. So, yeah, Etling has more – this is an emotionally fragile team. And I think Etling is more confident than Brennan right now. I wish we could be in the walls to see the quarterback decision making because I have a feeling there's a disagreement on that as well. Uh, I think Canada probably wants to go Etling just because he's a steady hand. Yeah, and I, I think, think so O too. wants to go Brennan because he's more upside and he can he can wing it, man. Like we've seen him, like he, he, yeah, he can't. Look, it's exciting when he's in there. Good. Brennan has looked good. He just hasn't quite. He just doesn't. He's just, anytime he makes, anytime he makes a mistake, he gets pulled, and you're like, guys, you can't do that to him. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's so infuriating. I don't get it. But also, I don't know, Billy's. I've seen Billy argue with people about this too, because he just he keeps defending the way the quarterbacks are used and saying, well, this is what they said they were going to do all along. And I'm like, but this is not what they said they're going to do. Like, he keeps calling Etling his starter, but then he clearly benches him. Yeah. For playing poorly and puts in Brennan for that exact reason. And then he goes I, back and says, like, well, that was the plan. Like, no, it wasn't. That's, I'm at least, willing to con- at least willing to concede Syracuse. Maybe it was the plan. And, you know, he tried to put yeah. Brennan in just a little bit too early. I'll at least give him that one. Troy was benched. Yeah. Also, to be fair to the coaching staff, Etling did get rocked. He did, but he had a whole half to recover. Yeah, he had a whole half to recover. but And he came back and played, so it's not like – Yeah, no. I, I thought so too. I, I was I, like, oh, he's hurt. Great. Yeah. yeah I I, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I'm, I'm really trying. Yeah, you really are. More than I because <laughs> to me it's been baffling. But, but yeah, uh, I agree. They, they have not managed it well. End of the day, I think Etling right now is your, your safe choice. If he plays terribly against Florida, then you have no choice but to turn Look, to Brennan. I think. If we lose the Florida, I think you play Brennan the rest of the year because what does it matter? Yeah, it's, it's over. <sighs> okay. Timmy Basketball wants to know, with how things have played out, uh, what's the record? Do you think we'll finish with, assuming you know we get healthy and – Get people back from suspension and all that. Well, ask me after Florida. I, I really think this is a yeah a hinge game. I think if we lose to Florida, we're gonna have a losing record. Yeah, I I think if we beat Florida, we will make a bowl game. I, I, and I don't think it's the difference between winning six games and five games. So I think it's the difference between winning four or five games and winning seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I again. The SEC is bad, so the Florida game means a lot. It's the biggest game. Auburn, I don't really see us beating, even at home. Uh, Ole Miss is winnable. Alabama is not. Arkansas is winnable. At Tennessee is winnable. A&M is winnable. So 
those are the games I'm looking at that, depending on what happens this weekend, we can still win all of those games. Um, yeah, it just matters where your headspace is. And you need that Florida win yeah. to still have the confidence to play those games. But yeah, like we talked about earlier, you know, if this is yeah. if it goes downhill this weekend, then this whole ship is sinking fast. It's not about yeah. this season. This this is the program that yeah. the Ogeron era going down, kind of. Because yeah, if you're four and two, if you win, you're four and two, and and you just name there's four games that you're kind of on the fence about. You could, if you're feeling good about yourself, you can win three or four of those. Yeah, and you can and scrap you against Auburn to like a tough loss, and that gets you to seven or eight, seven or eight wins. If you lose the f- Florida, your those four swing games, you're probably going to win, you know, zero or one of them, and then <laughs> that's that's four wins. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, he hasn't lost the young guys yet. Losing to Florida might be that. Well, he's lost the locker yeah. room thing. So I think that's the sort of uh, yeah. Ask us next next week, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think Florida's the key. Uh, and then grumpy old Greg replied to Vinny, but it's not really a question. He just says his first uh, punk CD he ever owned would be appropriate for that, which was Green Day Dookie. Okay. Well, yeah. Look, you got to start somewhere. I, I appreciate that. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sneer at Green Day. I get mad when people talk about how Green Day sold out. Like, you know, like you were a punk fan and you were into the late, you know, the, yeah. uh, what should we call it? The, oh god, I forgot. Um, Gilman. Yeah, you know, like you were down with Gilman Street. I, I mean, come on. Like, honestly, they're a lot like the Ramones. If you think, if you think Green Day is a sellout, you think the Ramones are sellouts. Yeah, it's always a weird. I mean, it's a music thing, I guess. Yeah, it's but. a yeah, it's a thing, I, and it's it's kind of very old school. You know, it's very old school. Like I, I think it's irrelevant today, just because everybody now sells the commercials and stuff because you don't yeah. get played on the radio. So uh, the debate's now largely academic. It mattered more when you know in 1994, but I don't think it really matters. You know, though it 20 is, years later, it's bizarre. I can't to believe hear, people uh, talk. It's still bizarre to hear Lemmy and Motorhead on a car commercial. Yeah, it is. Like, there's a couple. I heard the Buzzcocks once on an AARP ad. That was the <laughs> that was one that hurt me the most. I was like, oh, oh, everything is over. I was like, come on, it's the Buzzcocks. I mean, like, <laughs> that's a deep cut for that art director for that commercial. Yeah, and that's the thing is the people who are the art directors, they probably have, you know, really cool music libraries. I probably like the people who make commercials. Of course. <laughs> like, if I met them, I'd be like, we probably have, a, you know, they like those bands. They've, tr- you know, and, you know, they're, and honestly, they've learned that they can get really good songs for a lot less. Yeah. So And, you know, it helps the band, it, you know, it helps them, it gives them a cool vibe. I, you know, I got no problem with it. It's... You know, that's just the way of the world. Like, capitalism wins. Sigh. <laughs> yeah. Always. Yeah. Well, that's it. We have no more questions because people are super stoked for this game. God, they really aren't aren't stoked. Like, this is... I got four questions. God, people are people are rough. And, you know, two of them are about punk rock. Um, Ratings are down, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings are down. Um, yeah. I mean, I know it's hard to get out for this one. I'm not, but this really is the season. So if you need to get up, that's, that's what it is. Um, this is your last chance to really scream like mad 
and get into it. And if they win, I think there, there can be some bounce back. But yeah, they Tiger fans need you now. This is where the team needs you. <laughs> it just it, it's more fun to be optimistic. So it is. It, it really. I know there's, go. there's heartbreak associated with it, but it is more fun. Yeah, and I think that's where I'm coming from. It's just you don't want to be the person who's just, just oh, I told you how awful they'd be. No one likes that guy. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, well, I'm just being realistic. Oh, shut the fuck up! Like you know, like I know, no one likes that guy. Just go in there, you're a fan, root for your team, and yeah, you can be realistic. You're like, oh, man, look, I think we're doing that job. Or like, I don't think we're terribly good right now, you know, but we can still get better. So that's the hope. I think there's there's a way to criticize without you know being a jerk about it. Yeah, exactly. Our fans have not figured that out. But you were no. you were hitting on it on Twitter that like maybe we need one of those return those those humbling seasons to remind yeah, us of the true dark ages. We haven't had a humbling season in a long time, so it's not the worst thing in the world. I, I will be honest about that. Yeah. I still think we uh, we traded spiritual states of being with Clemson in that bowl game where they beat us. God, it's very possible. That that is that. What was that Peach Bowl? Yeah, and like you know, Clemson was always like the team that got a ton of hype and then disappointed. And yeah. then uh, you know that was us these last few years. So and now Clemson's going toe to toe with Bama. Yeah, and that, that was us. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, and I root for Clemson. You know, I, I want them to do well. Yeah, we got the other than the Death Valley War. We got the whole. Hey, you know. they're not Bama. <laughs> I'm all in on Clemson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is. It has as bad of a job as Orchard has done so far. It ha, there is an element of it has been a confluence of really unlucky events as well. Yeah. So. I don't want to totally give up on the air right just yet. That's what and that's what I wrote about today when trying to hit at is that like this could just be a lot of like there are a lot of issues. It could just be unfortunate timing that they all sort of hit at once. Yeah. And this is what we get because of it. I, I think his problem has been as he's every time he's encountered an issue is he's made it worse. Yeah, that, well, I, I think that's the. It's not that because every team has issues. Like, yes, I mean, unless you're Bama or Clemson, like everyone's trying to hide something. Yep. And I, it's just he hasn't been very good at dealing with issues, which begs questions about his leadership. Which is it really a, does a lot more problematic. Yeah, but you know, there's a learning curve in being a head coach. Yeah. Which you think he would have already gotten over, but let's not, you know. And, you know, and once again, I don't think we missed out on anybody last time. Like, I really like Jeff Brom, but I don't think it's like, oh, I can't believe we let that fish get away. Yeah, there will always be another coach. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, because I think when we were talking, like, the one guy we couldn't get last time was Justin Fuente because he'd only been at Virginia Tech for a year. Maybe if you wait two years and he's been there for three. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, then you can you can talk about rating Virginia Tech, you know, for, for Fuente, who I really like. That's still my dream. 
Yeah, yeah that, that's that my puts, guy. That puts him back on board. It probably won't happen because Virginia Tech's a pretty high-level program. And But I'm just saying, no one's off the table. Like, I don't, I don't think we missed out on a guy. I don't think this is – and honestly, it takes more than one bad season to set a program back. Yep. You know, like, I know it might cost us a recruiting cycle or whatever. That happens. But it, we are far away from hitting the panic button as a program. The season is we're, – we're hitting it, we're hitting the panic button. <laughs> yeah, I mean even – yeah, you've read about it too. Like you, Well, you wrote about like all coaches have taken a bad loss. But, you know, coaches have bad seasons too. Saban was 6-6 six and six his first year at Alabama. Dabo was – Six and seven, his second year at Clemson. It's like, it does happen. Auburn went to the national championship game a year after going 0 and 8 in conference. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, you know, that's probably an extreme example, but it does give you an idea. Like, this is not a, pro- this doesn't have to be a program ruining season. Yeah. I, that, that does bother me too. That, and I know I just said it, you know, in not so certain terms, but like, People are so quick to be like, well, this program is in the trash now. Like, we're done forever. And yeah, I no. I hate that shit. I'm like, quit. Like, I'm sorry that you sat through the 90s and it sucked, but, like, we're not going to be that forever. No. And also, like, if we're, com- you know, if we're going to compare him to bad coaches, and if he loses Florida, we have plenty of time to do that. Right now, he's far more Mike Archer than Curly Hallman. And Mike Archer was not the point of no return. Yeah. Exactly. So everything's good in Baton Rouge right now. Yeah, everything's great. You know, hey. Weather's been great, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's win this week, and maybe next week we'll be a little bit happier. Yeah. Beat Florida. Beat Florida.